Well, good afternoon, church. Uh, yeah, it's a great pleasure to be with you here. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Vino, and that's all I have to say. My wife always asks for me to do like longer introductions, but I don't know anything interesting to talk about myself. So. <laughs> I'm from Brazil, so in my notes, notice the, the accent. And that's it. I have a wife, two kids. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> uh, so we are in this series here calling... Uh, uh, is, we, we are dividing the, uh, this series in Exodus in two parts. And we are in part one. And we are calling this series uh, Out of Darkness. And because like in this first part, we're going to be covering uh, from chapters 1 to 18. And the big theme in this first part is the liberation of the people of God from uh, their bondage in Egypt. And so they are brought, brought out uh, of the darkness of their slavery to the light of freedom, to them be God's chosen people. And that's important, not just as a historical piece of evidence about what God has done in the past, but it's a very clear foreshadowing of the, of the gospel. And I hope you, we, you can see that as we progress in this series and even in our sermon today. And I don't know, but maybe some of you could ask, like, but if the goal is to present the gospel, why not just teach from the New Testament, more specifically from the gospels, right? Why go to the, the Old Testament? And that's a great question. And actually, there are a lot of reasons for us to, to do that, but I, I want to point some of them. So first thing, the Old Testament give context to the New Testament. Jesus did not come up with a totally new message, as some people assume. And it's important for us to see that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. Some people think the, uh, the God of the Old Testament was a bad God, evil God, always punishing. And then we have like Jesus in the New Testament, all about love and acceptance. And that's not true. And that's why it's important to, to, to study the Old Testament. And... And the, the Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and will ever be. So th that's an important thing. His personality, his way of treating people from one testament to the other is the same thing. In the Old Testament, we can see the grace and the love of God, as we see today. And how faith is the only thing that leads to life. Faith is the only way to salvation since the beginning. It's not a new thing that Jesus brought. was his idea, like salvation by faith. I, want, I, will, I will create this and that will be my thing. No, that's the, 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 the same thing from the beginning of the Bible. And yes, we have in the Old Testament the judgment of God. But we have this in the New Testament too. As some people sometimes don't don't see or, or they just pretend to see. So if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, the backbone of the Bible story is God's covenant with humanity. We, we have a prototype of, of a covenant in Eden. So when God created men and women and put them in the garden, he, give, he gave them commands and there are blessings and curses associated with it. Uh, we don't have a, like explicit, explicit there, like the word covenant, but we, we can see a prototype of that. And then we see Noah, and he was saved by God from the flood, and God uh, make, made a covenant of stability with humanity, saying, like, I'll never destroy again uh, the earth by the water. And then we have Abram, and God calls him out of his country and out of his family to go to a unknown place, and God promised to make him a father of a great nation. And through him to bless all the nations of the earth. He made this covenant. And then we have Moses that we are focusing here in this series. 
And Moses caused Moses to, to bring his people out of Egypt, free them from slavery, and he made a covenant with them. And give them the law and make them a nation. And the nation, a nation that belongs to God. And this is fulfilling partially the promise that was given to Abraham. And then we have King David. And God makes a new covenant with King David. And promises to establish his royal lineage forever. And so through his seed would come the true king of Israel, the Messiah. And then that's what happens. And from the lineage of David, we have Jesus who established the new covenant by the shedding of his blood. So that's the big story of the Bible. All the covenants of God with humanity. And throughout history, you have God revealing progressively his plan of redemption. His plan is to save humanity, to form a people that's conformed to his own image and fill the earth with all his, with, uh, fill all the earth with his glory. So we need to understand that the Bible is not a bunch of ancient writings about God and we can learn some morals here and there and have some insight into what God did throughout history. But the Bible is the true story of the whole world, the story of humanity. That's what the Bible is. So let us learn all those bits and pieces so we can understand more deeply the message of the gospel. And, and I hope today it becomes more clear to you. Uh, as Matt just read, today we are in Exodus chapter 2. So you can leave your, uh, your Bible open there. And you can keep your, your finger in Hebrews 11. We're going to use uh, Hebrews 11 a lot today. And so I, I want to start by just praying for our time together in the Word. God, we are, we are thankful because we, we can be here in this time together. I'm thankful for all my brothers and sisters, um, all the friends, visitors, that we can be gathering together here to worship Jesus, worship uh, the only true God. And as Matt was saying here, not because we are a bunch of awesome people who, has, who have no, no flaws, no, no sins, but because we, we understand our need, our need of a Savior. Help us in, in this moment to, to understand your word and that your Holy Spirit can be working in our hearts, giving us understanding. Uh, like why did those stories they are in the Bible, how they point us to, to Jesus, how they, they explain to us how we relate to God and what... Living by faith means. Thanks, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So, our, our text today covers really quickly a big part of Moses' life. From his birth to then his marriage and his settlement in this foreign land. And the life of Moses can be divided in, in, in three 40-year segments. So, I want you to go to Acts we're going to have a lot of Bible reading today. So, Acts 7. Uh, we have there uh, Stephen, when he's preaching, before he, uh, he was stoned, he gave us like an account of the life of Moses. And it's really helpful for us. So, he says, verse, uh, Acts 7, verse 20. At this time, Moses was born. And he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought, brought, brought up for three months in his father's house. 
And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was mighty in his words and deeds. When he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking, striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did, they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them and say, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And this, re and, and this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. So that's, that's the part I was looking for. So Moses spent his first 40 years in Egypt. First nursed by his mother. And then taught in the Egyptian school and court. And then he spent his second 40 years in the desert where he got married and had children. And he was in exile as a Texas. And then he spent his last 40 years with the Hebrew people in the wilderness. Enduring all the kinds of trials, making mistakes, but above all, above all, having great experience with God there. So that's like the three phases of uh, Moses' life. And today we are talking about the first two phases. So it's going to be a long sermon. We have eight years to go. I'm kidding. Uh, today's uh, text basically covered the, uh, as I said, the first eight years. And before Moses had this encounter with God in the burning bush that we study next week. But thankfully we have scriptures in the New Testament that will help us with our text from today. As we just read Acts 7 and we have Hebrews 11 too. So in this first part I want to talk about the birth of Moses and his adoption by Pharaoh's daughter. The first thing we learn in, in the verse 1 of the text is that Moses' parents were both Levites. So, verse 1 says, Now a man from the house of Levi went to, as his wife, a Levite woman. So, they, they were both Levites. And, and that's important because uh, after, in the book of Acts, we established that the tribe of Levi will serve as priests in the temple of God. And then being Moses, the, this youth made priest who receives the law of God directly from God and gives to the people. Now, in verse 2, the Bible says, And she became pregnant. And gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid, she hid him for three months. Now go to Hebrews 11 verse 23. And let us see what the author of Hebrews has to say about this passage. Hebrews 11 verse 23. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's adder. So the important aspect we need to observe in the actions of this couple is their faith. Everything they did, they did by faith. That's what the author of Hebrews says. If you were not here last week, I want you to give a, a, a background here. 
this, this couple, they were part of the Hebrew people. And at this moment in history, they were slaves in Egypt. Chapter 1 of Exodus tells us they were being afflicted with heavy burdens. They had to build cities uh, for Pharaoh. Their life was bitter. And the things got even worse than Pharaoh, Pharaoh out of fear because th this slave nation was growing strong. He, he plotted to kill all the babies, all the baby boys at birth. So first he tried to do that secretly by commanding uh, the midwives to kill the babies during the labor process. But after these women failed to comply with his command, Pharaoh went public and he commanded all his people. What we see in Exodus 1, uh, 22, and he says, Every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So that's the context in which this sin we are studying today took place. I want you to see the faith this couple had. This, the text says they got married. Then this lady became pregnant. And they had a baby boy. And the, and the baby was hidden for three months. And then put it in a basket in the river. Some people give excuses to not get married. Like I don't have enough money. I don't have a job. Or to don't have kids. But look at this situation here. How crazy it is. They, they were slaves in Egypt. They were having this burden of like working Building cities, having the, 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 all those babies murdered, and they decide she got married, to get married, and to have kids. And it's a crazy thing to start a family in this context, and even more to have a baby in a moment like that. But the thing we need to look at is, is, is not just what they did, but why they did. People sometimes can do like, really crazy and courageous things. Maybe just out of courage or in an act of rebellion against this unjust situation or even for being careless. There are a lot of people who are just careless. But the, what the author of Hebrews shows us is that the motivation was faith. That's the difference. But the question is, so, but what is faith? Right? What is faith? Is faith this sense of Let's just do the things we want to do and believe strongly that God will protect us and bless us? Or is faith stepping to the unknown, as some like to say? Is faith just moving life forward and trust that God will do something? No, friends, that's not biblical faith. Faith is not wishful thinking or this attempt to be positive in the middle of very dark situations. That's not faith. Faith is trusting God's words. It's not stepping into the unknown. Yes, walking by faith is indeed not walking by sight. But it, it is walking upon a very firm foundation. The word of God. So what is this faith this couple had, has? Did they have any promise and revelation from God to do what they did? And the answer is yes. So, as Aaron brought, up, brought to our attention last week, God, when he made his covenant with Abraham, and that's why the covenants are important, he promised something to him. So, you're going to find in uh, Genesis 15, verse 13 to 16. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. And will be servants there. 
and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is yet not complete. So these people knew that the slavery they were, they were experiencing was not an accident. Or because God has have forgotten them. Everything was happening according to the plan of God. And they knew they were supposed to become a great nation. Increasing numbers. And leave the land of Egypt with great possessions. And they knew God would deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh. And that God would judge the nation of Egypt. They knew that. That was the promise. That was the covenant they belonged to. And for this reason, they did not fear Pharaoh. They did not fear Pharaoh's addict. Because they knew nothing escapes the plan of God. That was their, their confidence. And they knew what, what they were supposed to do and during this season. So their courage to don't comply with, with these laws, with this addict of the king, did not just came from their, their sense of justice, which is not a bad thing, but they trusted the word of God. So the source of their courage, the, the reason they did not fear the unjust laws that were being passed was because they, they knew the word of God and they trust the word of God. That's what faith is. But there is another aspect of their faith uh, I want you to see. Uh, verse 3, Exodus 2, verse 3. It says, But when she could hide him no longer, she got a, a pyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female, uh, her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then the sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrews, uh, Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And she said, Yes, go. And so the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay. So the women took the baby and nursed him. So this couple, they did not just have the faith to get married, to get pregnant, and to keep the baby hidden. But now when it was not possible to hide him anymore, they crafted this incredible plan to save his life. Sometimes we don't pay attention to the details in the text, and we think that this lady, just out of despair, left this basket to go with the current of the, the Nile River here. And by an accident, Pharaoh's daughter found the baby. But that's not what the text says. So first we, we read that she prepared the basket with great care to protect the baby. She didn't want the basket to sink. Second thing, she did not put the basket in the current, but she carefully put it among the reeds. So it does not go with the current. 
We see the, in verse 4 that one of her children, Moses' sister, stood at distance to watch what was going to happen. And then we saw the Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe at this exact location and found the baby. You think that's a coincidence? The same day, same place. The baby was crying and Pharaoh's daughter felt sorry for him. And Moses' sister was placed there to watch the basket. Was ready to play her part. So she asked, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? So you think she just invented this plan at this moment? No, she was instructed probably by her mother or her, her dad to not review that the baby was part of their family. And, and she asked this question, hope Fira's daughter will say yes. And, that she, and then she will bring the, her own mother to take care of the baby boy. And that's exactly what happened. And Fira's daughter not just gave the baby back to her, to her, to, to her own mother, to his own mother. But now this baby was under protection of the state because of Pharaoh's mother, that daughter. And she who was at this point a slave, she would receive an, a salary to nurse her own child. That's crazy. And what I want you to see here, apart from the incredible plan this, this mother crafted, is that faith is not stopping thinking. Faith is not making no plans. True faith will never cause us to be lazy or apathetic. Faith is doing all you can to prepare for the battle, but knowing that the final outcome rests with the Lord. Faith is doing all you can within your strength and then trusting God to do what you cannot do. You trust Him to accomplish the things you cannot accomplish. So Moses' mother had a very creative plan. But she couldn't move Pharaoh's daughter to feel sad for the baby, for example. She didn't know if Pharaoh's daughter would accept the offer to have a Hebrew slave nursing this baby. And she could never foresee she was going to be paid to nurse his own child. Maybe Pharaoh's daughter would just follow his father's rules and kill the baby right there in front of them. But she she didn't. And that's God's providence in all of this. And church, there is much more we could talk in this passage. But I want you to focus on this theme of faith here. Because I think that's what the author of Hebrews says as a very important aspect of this text. In light of the gospel. So Christianity is the only religion in which you are not saved by your own good works. Is not based on our merits. Is not based on our capacity to clean ourselves of our sins. Or our capacity to become better persons. No, salvation in the Bible is and always has been by faith and faith alone. And if there is something to be seen, all these characters in the Bible. is not their, their courage, their morals, their holiness, their strength. But it's their faith. They trust the word of God. And everything else that comes after, courage, strength, boldness, endurance, justice, everything flows out of their faith in the Word of God and His promises. This couple, they did not just trust God who saved the Hebrews because they, they, they deserve it. 
or because they were more moral than the Egyptians or because they were more right in the situation. But they trust they would, save, would be saved because God promised he would. And they knew the grace of God who is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. They trust the God of Abraham, their forefather, would never fail them in spite of their sins and failures. So church, if someone thinks faith is excused for sitting back and watching God do his thing, I'll tell you, they don't know anything about faith. True faith causes to work. True faith will produce fruits in your life. That's what the book of James talks about all the time. There is no faith without works. So yes, we are safe by faith alone. And yes, we walk by faith alone. Our sanctification is by faith alone. We lay our sin by faith alone as we sing. Everything in, in this life is by faith. But this faith will produce actions in our lives. And that's the other major theme of the Bible. If in one side we have the covenants and the promises of God as the backbone of the Bible. We have faith in the promises of God as the fuel for the people of God throughout history. Noah built the ark by faith. Abraham left his own and his family to inhabit this unknown place by faith. Moses' parents saved his life by faith. Moses abandoned his life in Egypt and became the leader of, to free the Hebrew people from slavery by faith. All the men of prophets of God did what they did by faith. And throughout history, we have men and women Christians who face all the kinds of persecution, hatred, deprivation, and even death because of their faith. And faith is something so profound that it is believing that even if we die, we will live. Even if you don't see the promise of God in your lifetime, He will do what He said He was going to do. And out of, out of dry bones, He can raise a nation for Himself. So friends, knowing that God's fighting at our side, knowing He is for us, Knowing God's for us is not a reason to work less, to fight less. It's a, a reason to work more, to fight more. Knowing God's are at our side is not a reason to give up. It's a reason to resist. It's not a reason to preserve our lives and live in fear. But it's a, it's a reason to give up our lives. To deny ourselves. And give our lives to, to, to this cause. Faith is the reason why we pursue holiness. Let me ask you, what kind of crazy people pursue to be more like Jesus, God made flesh? What makes you believe you can do that? We just can do that because He promised, he promised us He would do that in us. He promised He would make, make us holy. So we believe. And we slay our sin. We go into this war against our own sin. By faith alone. Because we trust His words. In church faith, the Bible says, come by listening to the word of God. That's the foundation of our faith.
And that's why the Word of God needs to be before our eyes all the time. We need to be a church that has the Word of God hidden in our hearts. So we have faith. We will not walk in darkness. We will not doubt. We will not work. And we work more than anyone else in this world. And if we have this faith, we really have the Word of God hidden in our hearts, we will not fear any king, any ruler, any law, any situation, because we know and we trust the promise of our loving Father. And we know His faithfulness throughout history. And we know His faithfulness in our own stories. And we, we know He will never fail us. He will never fail us. But there, there is more for us to learn about faith here in our text. Now in the life of Moses. Uh, verse 11. Exodus 2, verse 11 to 15. One day... After Moses had grown up, he went out uh, to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went, he went out and saw two Hebrews fight. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live immediately, where he sat down by a well. Now go to Hebrew 11. Uh, now we're going to do verse 24 and 25. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I don't know if you noticed this, but both texts, they start when Moses was grown up. So he was 40 years. So they are talking about the same situation, the same season in his life. And the author of Hebrews highlights the faith of Moses. So, friends, in this passage we just read, Moses did something terrible. He killed a man. Some people might read passages like this and think God approves what he did here. Some people will say, like, you see this, the kind of God served who bless and murder. Or maybe other people will even praise Moses for fighting oppression. But the text here in no way says that God approves what he did. And as we read our Bibles, we constantly see the people of God committing all the kinds of sin. You see, you see them lying, murdering, worshipping false gods, being adulterers, and so on. All the kinds of sin. And that's not to be praised the Bible does not approve those things. And it's not to be believed that God approves any of those things. But it's there for us to see the grace of God. This undeserving favor He shows to people like us, full of sins. And He causes 
Not to walk because we have confidence in our own capacity to do good. And to be something. But to walk by faith. Trust in His mercy. Trust. He can use murderers, prostitutes, robbers, liars, weak men to accomplish His great plans. That's the story of the Bible. Believing He can use broken people to bring about the kingdom of God. And for all this brokenness, form a people for Himself. A people who will display the glory of God. A people who are the clear picture of God's mercy, love, justice, and power. So looking to all this sin and violence and injustice, we've seen texts like that. And we should see that even with all this sin, we see the hands of God at work to save His people. It should be a reason for us to praise God and not to question Him. It's interesting to see that Moses killed the Egyptian because he saw him beating a Hebrew. But the next scene, you see like two Hebrews fighting and one beat the other, beating the other. We see here a demonstration that the Hebrew people were no better than the Egyptians. And we'll see later in the book of Exodus that they had so much in common with the Egyptians. We see that after the deliverance, they were removed from Egypt. But they had Egypt in their hearts, inside their hearts. They worship false gods. They complain all the time. They say they miss Egypt and the food they had there. They fail to obey God's law. They fail to love God. And they sin over and over. And Moses was not different. He was a sinful man. But the difference, the thing to be seen in his life is his faith. When we go back to our text in Hebrews, you see that the author talks about the faith Moses had. Refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And his choice to be mistreated with the people of God instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses not being praised for killing the Egyptian men. But we see that intertwined with this terrible action, there was something to be looked at. This action was showing his faith in abandoning the, his Egyptian family, his status, his comfort, and the pleasures of sin to join the suffering of the people of God. And there is so much to be learned here. First, because, our sin, because of our sinful nature, sometimes faith we will be mixed with wrong, wrong actions and choices. We see in the Bible that sometimes men who are really zealous in the things, with the things of God end up being driven by a false sense of purpose. And the desire to do something right can overcome us and we lose the self-control going against the law of the God we are sincerely try to, to, to please. And for this reason, we need to be careful to divide those things, as the author of Hebrews does here. Not praising Moses for killing the men, but talking about his faith. Faith to abandon his position, to identify with the suffering of the people of God and becoming one of them. And I believe you can see this kind of pattern in your own life, right? Sometimes we have faith, we have good intentions, we want to please God, 
But we do a lot of wrong choices, a lot of poor actions. And we go against the law of the God we want to please. And we need to be careful because our faith does not excuse us from our sins. We need to repent and we need to seek God for change. But at the same time, it's faith itself, itself that removes from us the fear of action. And we need to see that. Sometimes we can get so concerned about not doing the wrong thing, not doing the wrong choice, that we don't do anything. And we end up sinning anyway by omission. That's lack of faith. So faith gives us the assurance that we are not accepted by God because of our good choices, our good actions, but because of our faith in His mercy and love and the atoning work of Jesus Christ to pay for our sins. And that He can use the broken people like you and me to accomplish His plans. But again, the mercy of God is not an excuse to go on sin. We will sin, but we don't walk in the practice of sin. We will come to God in repentance and will it to be cleansed by Him. And that's the growth in holiness we need to see. It is because we trust, we trust God that we have this desire to become more and more like Christ. And that we abandon sin once we can see it. And we don't try to excuse ourselves by, by saying things like, God knows my heart. Have you heard this before? I had good intentions. Only, only God can judge me. That's people who are trying to use excuse to keep going on in their sin. Another point I want to highlight, and it's a reaffirmation of what I just said, but the text in Hebrews tells us that by faith, Moses abandoned his position in the enjoying of the pleasures of sin. That's a very important thing about faith. Faith will always lead us to sanctification and not to an attitude of making peace of sin. Faith led Moses to abandon the pleasures of sin in Egypt. Faith will always lead us to deny ourselves, as Jesus called us, if you want to be his disciples. Faith will always cause us to abandon the pleasures of sin. Faith will cause us to reject the world around us and the pleasures it has to offer. Faith will always cause us to walk against the flow of the world. Faith will always cause us to leave everything behind and follow the ways of God, follow Jesus. And one more important aspect of faith. It will not just cause us to abandon sin, our old way of life. But the text in Hebrew says, He abandoned those things choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God. And that's a very important thing. Many people think they can be Christians without church, without the people of God. But faith will cause us not just to abandon the world, but to embrace the church and its suffering. And as I made the point before, the people of God... We're not all holy people who were being mistreated by the bad Egyptians. That's not the case. We all know life has more shades of gray than that. 
But the thing is, we don't take the position of judges and align with those we believe to be more right. But we join the people of God. Yes, wretched sinners saved by the grace of God. And if God has chosen them, if God has chosen these people, who am I, who am I to reject them? Who are you to reject them? In our days, we are seeing a perfect example of this. We are seeing Christians abandoning and accusing the people of God and aligning with those who reject God, reject Jesus, and reject the truth of God's word. Because for some reason, they believe them to be more righteous. But again, it does not mean we will affirm everything the church and Christians do. But I'll never dissociate myself from the church and from true believers. Never. And if we have true faith, a thousand times we will choose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the acceptance of the word. The unity of the church is based on the faith we share and the trust we have in the word of God and the work of Jesus on the cross. And not in our agreement in, on, on various different topics that I don't need to mention here. There is more I want you to see in this text and learn about faith. Um, let's go back again to verse 13. I, I just want to read again to, to focus on something. The text says, The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh's and went to leave Midian, where he sat down by the well. We see in this portion of the text that instead of receiving him, his own people reject him. He asked, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? He not just questions Moses' authority to interfere in the situation, but he put in his face the sin he committed. Moses abandoned everything to embrace the suffering of his people, of the people of God, but they end up rejecting him. Go back now to Hebrews eleven twenty six. Hebrews eleven twenty six. He's talking about Moses here. He says he Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And from here comes the title of the, the, the sermon today. And what I believe to be the central piece of this story. The faith Moses had caused him to embrace the reproach of Christ. But what is this? If you go to Philippians 2. I want you to see the, what, what Jesus did. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 8. Look at what Apostle Paul, he, he says to us. 
Christians in the church. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God. Some, uh, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and be found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus abandoned everything. He made himself nothing to join us in our suffering. Similar to what we see Moses doing here. He took the very nature of a servant. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to God to death. The text says even death on a cross. Not any kind of death, but death on a cross. Humiliation. Rejection. Jesus put aside all his glory, his holy glory, not the Egyptian glory, to join us in service. And his people rejected him, and we reject him. The same way these Egyptians. Who are you to rule over us, Jesus? And when the Bible says that Moses embraced the reproach of Christ, it's because Moses, by faith, he left Egypt. He left everything he had, all the glory he had. And he could even be the next king of Egypt. We can say that. To join the suffering of his people. And it would cost, it would cost him everything. And even his people would, would reject him. And he would spend the next four years of his life in the wilderness. And that's the question for us. Are we ready to lose everything for the sake of Christ? What if even the people of God reject you? Will you still walk with God? Jesus also bore the disgrace of being rejected by his own people and by the world. And he died on the cross for those who hated him. Are you ready to follow Jesus there? In all the situation we are seeing the church today. Because this is faith. That's the text of Hebrews tells the reason Moses was capable of embracing this reproach was his faith. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. His eyes were not fixed in the wealth he could have, or the prestige he could enjoy, or the peace he could have, or all the comforts. He did not consider the convenience, the safety, the stability, or even the recognition of his fellow Hebrews as something of great value. But the reproach of Christ, the reproach he received, was way of way much more value for him because of the, because of because of faith he could see the reward. Now the question is: Do you consider the shame that might come from following Jesus in the eyes of the world to be greater than all the world has to offer? 
That's why the text says not comparing like what the world has to offer and what Jesus has to offer. He's comparing to what the world has to offer with the shame, the reproach of Christ. And faith causes you to choose the reproach, the shame. That's true faith. That's what true faith looks like. That's what Jesus did. So the next scene of our text is a brief description of the life of Moses in the wilderness. It says, verse 16, Exodus 2, verse 16. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the uh, throats to water their, uh, their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls had returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? And they answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Ruel asked his daughters, Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And Zipporah gave birth to a son. And Moses named him uh, Gershon, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So I want you to know a few things in this portion of the text. We see in the life of Moses this continuing pattern of becoming a servant, a deliverer. He started by protecting a Hebrew uh, from the beating of an Egyptian. Then we see like he's stopping like something inside the Hebrew people when they were beating each other. And now we see him protecting these women, the seven daughters of this priest of Midian. And we see in verse 19, the girls told their father that they were rescued, rescued or delivered by an Egyptian Moses from the shepherds. So we start seeing here this pattern of Moses becoming the rescuer, the deliverer. And then he even has served them by drawing water from the well and watering the flock. So growing holiness and walking by faith put us in a walk of service. To become like Jesus is not just about the things we don't do. Sometimes people think that being Christian is just like, I don't do this and this and this and this. But becoming like Christ is way more about your life of service for the others. That's what the text that we just read in Philippians said. He, he aimed himself to become a servant. James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the pure religion before God is serving the needy, and keeping yourself from the sin of the world. And we see this pattern in the life of Moses as we talk all the way into now. So another point I think it's important to highlight is that Moses, the mayor, is one of the daughters of this priest. This priest called Ruel here will appear again in the book of Acts, but being called Jethro. And we know from this other text that he was a servant of the God of Israel. Despite of being uh, from, the, from the land of Midian, he was a priest of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham. 
And we see that here that despite the temporary rejection, Moses and temporary is like 40 years. He suffered from by his own people. God now put on his way this family of servants of God for him to be together during, during his time in exile. So we see the grace of God in the life of Moses here. God did not preserve him from, from the shame and the rejection he suffered. He did not prevent him from fleeing to the desert, to be in exile. But in the midst of that, he acted with provision and provided like a family to Moses, other servants of God to walk with him. And that's a, a common pattern you're going to see in the Bible. Sometimes God will not save you from situations, but He will act in the midst of situations and provide everything you need. And that's a pattern that I think we're going to see lots of times in our own lives. God will not remove the suffering, will not prevent the suffering, but in the midst of suffering, He will give you everything you need. And to finish our time together, let's read verse 23 to 25. The text finished by saying, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. So it's interesting here because it says God remembered his covenant. The thing God forgot his covenant, now seeing his people suffering, he remembered, oh yeah, I had promised that thing. I need to do that. No, that's not what the remember means for God. One theologian commenting about this passage says, for God to remember is to act. And to forget is to refuse to respond. So friends, what this final portion of the text is doing is preparing us for what we are about to see in chapter 3 onwards. God is about to act and to deliver his people from their slavery as he promised he would. He said they would be slaves in land for 400 years. And now the time has come to deliver them. But now the crazy thing about how it applies to us. In the same way the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt. We are born in this life as slaves of sin, of death, of the devil. That's what the Bible says. And our souls groan for deliverance. The same way the Israelites here. And it's not hard to see how much suffering we have in this world. But not just outside. But when we look inside ourselves, there is so much darkness. And the question is, who will be able to bring us out of Egypt, out of this, this earth, out, out of the, the suffering? But not, just, but not just this. Who will be able to take Egypt out of us? Because that's the big problem. Even if you move to Mars, to the moon, whatever people want to go now, you're going to be there with your own. There are the same problems, same sins, same struggles, same sadness, same depression, same everything. So can, who can remove this from inside us? 
And the, the answer is the one who came to deliver us is the better Moses. It's Jesus. Moses is not the Messiah, but a foreshadowing of him. All the Jewish people believe that. The Messiah would be a better Moses. And we need to see how Moses points us to Jesus. Because that's what they sometimes fail to see. So the time Jesus was born, there was an order to murder all the baby boys. And yet, there was one who was saved. Out of all those babies were murdered, which was Jesus. The same thing we just, just saw happening to Moses. We see Moses beginning his life in a very humble way, being born of a slave couple. And Jesus was conceived in a manger, and his parents were not important people at that time through the eyes of the world. Moses, in a different way, in a different way had to give up all the comfort and glory of Egypt to join the suffering of his people, to become a suffering servant, the same way we see in the life of Jesus and in his incarnation. Moses was rejected by the Egyptians and by his own people. And Jesus was rejected too. And we see that Moses became a servant like Jesus. And friends, now the interesting thing to finish. This text was written not when the Israelites were in Egypt as slaves. It was not like someone was like just following Moses and writing those things. But they, those things were written after they left Egypt, Egypt during their journey to the Promised Land. So that in, in the, this hard journey, they could remember what God did in the past. And give them assurance that He will be faithful to complete what He began. And for us today, it's the same thing. Jesus, Jesus already paid the price for your life on the cross. In the cross of Jesus, we received our freedom from sin and death. And now we are in this walk to the promised land, our eternity with God. And in the same, uh, at the same time, we, we are uh, the same way they were living in the desert and walking to the promised land. And the Bible in the New Testament says we are, we are in this exile, just waiting for, for this salvation, for this complete salvation. And in, in the, the, the same way God was removing Egypt, from inside his people, he is removing Egypt. He is removing the world from inside us through sanctification. In the same way they had to walk and they had to battle. We need to walk and we need to battle. There is no space for passivity. And that's why we need to be constantly reminded of the gospel. So we can walk in faith and trust God. And have our eyes fixed in the promises that are waiting for us. And as a last comment, verse 24 and 25, I want you to notice the, the, the verbs here. 24 says, God heard their groanings, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Church, our God is a good God who hears us, He remembers us, He sees us, and He's concerned about us. That's the God we serve. Amen.
That's pretty.